Hey wellness warriors, I'm Asada Jones and this is What Makes Me Well. Every week I sit down with a special guest and we discuss all the different aspects of their life that make them well. So jumping right in, I just want to say thank you and send out big love to all of you who have listened to the show so far, all of you who have told me that you enjoy the show, you enjoy hearing what other people do in, your, in their life, and that it's motivated you to take a look and re-examine your life. So I just appreciate that you guys have started to approach your wellness differently because of this podcast. I mean, that's the reason why I started the show, um, because... I feel, I feel like it's very important to approach uh, or to discuss how we approach wellness because we all have stuff. We all have shit, right? But we all take care of our stuff differently. And that is where we can learn from each other and maybe apply how, you know, person B takes care of their stuff to my life. Um, and maybe it'll work for me. Maybe it doesn't, but I feel like that's the only way we can grow is if we have these conversations. And I appreciate those of you who are willing to get vulnerable with me and like do the work. So thanks again for showing me love. I love you right back. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcast and share the show with a friend. So wellness warriors, this week... I am so lucky to have Leslie Braithwaite here with me. Um, he's here to discuss how in the world he is able to juggle the demands of his super famous clients, assisting with student outreach at his alma mater, and continue to be a father and a husband because that is a constant in your life. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you, Leslie. Welcome. You're, you're welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, so... Really, um, really quickly, I want to get into a quick segment that I call What I Did This Week to Be Well. Mm. Um, I shared on my last show that um, I ordered Financial Peace University. It's a money management um, course um, offered by Dave Ramsey. And um, one of the things that I did not do before I ordered the course is I did I I looked I researched Dave Ramsey obviously the person who created the course mm -hmm. um, but I did not research him and I don't want to say enough because it's you know what I need him for it's really not <laughs> his personal views and his, how he votes is not my business right. but you know what I did I did it I went in and I'm like let me look at this guy because here I am trying to learn about money and this is like an older white white guy and his life is gonna look a lot different than my life so I said let me go ahead and look this guy up his views do not align with mine mm -hmm. <laughs> Turns out, why, why am I shocked? Right. But honestly, at first, I was ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And mm. I was ready to be like, you know what? I don't need to learn money management from this guy. He voted for such and such. And I wanted to get so angry and so righteous and, um, and just stand in my truth. And mm. because I know what's right. I know... I have good morals. I have good values. All that good stuff. Um, but you know what also... I am not balling like Dave Ramsey's balling. Right. So maybe I had to take a moment, um, and I'm going to be straight with you. I had to take a moment and just go, shit, is this, is this how white people felt two years ago when <laughs> they were like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. oh, but my money, mm -hmm. this man is saying a lot of terrible mm -hmm. stuff. You guys know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. He's saying a lot of terrible stuff. Oh, but my money, though. <laughs> so here I am with a humble, humble heart and, 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 and sharing with you guys that I am still going to take this course mm -hmm. by Dave Ramsey. He is a very faithful Christian, and he, you know, he believes what he believes. He voted for who he voted for and all that stuff. Um, I'm sorry that I had the twang when I said it. That's rude. Um, but um, he knows what he's talking about as far as money and finances. Sure. And this leads me to um, my next point. One of um, the listeners uh, wrote in this week, and she said, what I did this week to be well is remind myself that people have garbage. Love the rose, love the garbage, accept it, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's timely. 
because here I am trying to suss out how I feel about this man's personal stuff when really I don't I don't need to uh, his views and his politics even though they don't align with who I am and and my politics I need to know what he knows about money and finance and that and how to save money that's not political mm-hmm. any like you can learn how to save money mm-hmm. so to me, I am and and on on the box on like the box that it comes in. It says, "Financial Peace University is um, is is uh, something along the lines of it is uh, backed by what I know works and I know God works and He like outright you are. This is what this university is about. We believe in God. There is." scriptures within the program and at first I'm feeling all some type of way but you know what it mm. it don't matter mm-hmm. I can honestly I can insert my own belief into that prayer just like certain people insert their own belief when they go into my yoga class and I'm saying shanti shanti om namah shivaya mm. it's all the same it's all love and the and at the end of the day I'm going to learn how to save money and I really can't get mad at that so right. <laughs> that is what I did this week to make myself well. And then after I kind of like reconciled with that, I took my happy behind to Nine Round Boxing, which is just an awesome place if you guys haven't heard about it. It's just like, it's a gym where mm-hmm. you go for 30 minutes and you go to different rounds and you just wail on a bag. And honestly, sometimes that's what you that's just what need because there's a lot of crazy shit happening in the world right now. Um, and I'm just angry. I am angry. I'm a black woman. I'm angry right now. And even though I am trying to seek help, sometimes those who want to offer their hand out and help me, mm-hmm. I'm still angry about that. But I'm working on it. I am working <laughs> on it. I am being honest. And that is well, where I, I am. I have a spin on that. But oh, we'll, perfect. We'll get to- so actually, this is my, my segue to you. What did you do this week to be well? Okay. So before we get to that, I do have a spin on one, one thing yes. I, I wanted to say on what you said, which is... I think in a lot of cases, and I actually had this conversation earlier this week, in a lot of cases, you can actually learn more effectively from people who don't view the world like you do than you can from people who view the world like you do. True. And because there's a certain level of um, focus and the way you ingest information from people who don't align with you than you do from people who do. So that's something to consider there. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. Um, so this week, I, this past week, Friday night, last Friday night, um, Matt Pangra and I, his good friend of mine at Full Sail, we drove down to the Kashi Ashram. His wife and two other people who work at Full Sail, all of my friends are in the Full Sail University spectrum. It. All of my really good friends. Shout out um, to Full Sail. That's how we met. Um, yeah, that's true. That yeah. is, and, and Kwan as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Full but. Sail. So we, his wife and two other people that work at Full Sail, they host a um, wellness retreat every now and then. They do, they do a few of them here and there. And so his wife, they did one this past weekend. This one was called Stoking the Inner Flame. Yeah. The one before a few months ago was called um, uh, Finding Your Inner Peace or something like that. It's, they, they theme them you know, differently. So we drove down to the ashram, and uh, it's in Sebastian, Florida, and it's nice. a nice piece of property. And it's a lot of, it's, it was a very yoga-centric type of retreat. Um, and then there's a, a few spiritual components to it. And what's cool about the ashram is they respect all religions. Yeah. So they have temples where it's like the Christian and the Jewish and the Buddha. And That's the, awesome. They, have, they respect all religions. And it's just a cool time to go down there and bond as a group. And it was about 10 of us. And we just kind of chill. And there's a labyrinth. The labyrinth walk is my favorite thing to do. Because it's, it's educate me. What's a labyrinth? Labyrinth walk? walk is like it looks like a big maze, and you just walk through it in silence. And on its face, it just sounds like you're walking through a path of stones. But when you get through the other side, being forced to just be in silence and take such a very detailed and specific walk, you come away with all this profound stuff. And it's one of those things where. You can describe it till you're blue in the face, but if you do it, you'll be like, huh, 
I see. And my wife did it. She came on the last retreat and she did it. And she, she was like, all like, what are we doing? Just walking the maze. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> what is this? What are we doing? <laughs> by the end of it, she was crying. Dope. It, it has such a That's awesome. weird and profound effect on you to walk in that kind of silence. It takes about, usually about 45 minutes to get through. Wow. Because it's, and it doesn't look that huge. It's a big circle on the, made out of rocks and, and bricks and it's a, it, they carve a specific path and it takes a while to get through it and it's 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 like walking through a big maze but that's you know, awesome yeah, like you're so. literally walking through your own stuff while you're walking through the maze i yep. love it i yeah. love that i love that i love all that. of that all of that wow. stuff and so like i'll give you an example so at the end of the lab the first time i did the labyrinth walk on the last retreat um, one of the the person who was leading the um, retreat, she said, "Well, let's talk about it. What were you thinking of mm-hmm. when as you were walking through?" And we all walk through at different paces. So one person starts, you count to like twenty, then the next person starts, you count to like twenty, then the next person yeah. starts. So we're all walking through it at the same time. It takes about forty five minutes to finish, but we can all see each other. So one of the observations I made when when we got to the end, and she asked me, "What was I thinking about?" I said it was interesting to see everyone walking on the exact same trying to get to the exact same destination but at different um paces and it was such a trip to watch all of us how like matt was walking through and he was skipping through and he was happy and my wife was all in her mind like i could see her start going from being skeptical to really thinking about some things and then she started crying at one point and then another friend of ours she was just kind of like man, this is a lot harder than I thought. Like, she couldn't keep quiet, and you were supposed to not talk. And so it was amazing to see everybody at a certain point in the labyrinth, which kind of was, to me, like reflective of how everybody is in life. We're all walking through life at different paths, different parts. And it actually kind of helped put some things in perspective for me because one of the, like, everything in my life has been fairly easy. Except for marriage. Marriage is the one tough thing for me. And not that me and my wife are having any problems well, or marriage super issues. Is tough. But it's tough. It's yes. a tough thing for me because of who I am, because of the kind of person I am. I'm not a attachment person. I'm yeah. not a you know, my wife is like reading the five love languages and I'm like Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. You're like, great. what is that? What is this? And I get it. I, I have a whole we we can Oh, and whole, we will. Oh, you can't. Whole, you can't just put a pin in that and let me drop it. I have a whole it. thing about the five love languages, but so marriage has been the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and walking that labyrinth helped me to realize that it isn't. Um, it shouldn't be that me and my wife are always walking perfectly in step and in sync. We move through life at different paces. Yes. And. It's okay. Yeah, listeners, I just raised my hand up in the air <laughs> like I was in church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like gospel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's stuff like that. I just want to give you a couple of examples yeah, of things you come I away love with. That. The labyrinth is a powerful thing. It, it seems, on, like I said, on the surface. like Yeah. But So where is this ashram again for our it's listeners? It's in Sebastian, Florida. It's about, it took about a, maybe an hour and 20 minutes to get there from Orlando area. Wonderful. Heading south on 95, kind of like right past Palm Beach. That is awesome. Palm Bay. Palm Bay. Not Palm, Palm Bay. Bay. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, uh, if you would like to share what you did um, in your life to be well, let us know um, <laughs> at me, at what makes me well on Instagram and Twitter, hashtag what makes me well. Um, and I will read it on air and uh, just share with us because I wouldn't have known about an ashram <laughs> unless Leslie would have said that. And I definitely would not have um, kind of come to terms with my stuff with financial peace and like Dave Ramsey had it not been for Christina from California. So thank you, girl. I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, I want to remind our listeners that we have a Wellness Warrior of the Week, and I'm always um, lis- listening and looking for people out in Orlando that we want to shout out that are doing the best. Um, is there anybody that you know in Orlando, Leslie, that is just a Wellness Warrior that you want to send some love to right now? Yeah, I would send some love to the three people who organized our retreat. Yes. Uh, Sophia Pengra, um, Lisa Nakrasen. And Mary Beth Plank. Yes. Love all of them deeply. Uh, they're like my sisters. They all work at Full Sail. And Full Sail, is, it's, it's the staff and, and uh, faculty, 
the culture of Full Sail is, has a lot to do with wellness. It's very much centered around wellness. Yeah. Um, Gary's wife, uh, Isis Jones. Miss Isis Jones. She is a big um, just curator of all things wellness. Yes. So She is like the OG wellness yes. warrior. She is just she striving is to about, be the best. Yes. Yeah. And even like physically, she's like, well, are you alkalizing, alkalizing your yeah, body? I and love her. Are you drinking this? And what is your blood type? And maybe you don't need to drink this. And, you know, it's, you know, I, one time I was, I was coughing in front of her. We were out at dinner and I started to drink some. She was like, no, um, bread, dip the bread in the oil. Fat, fat helps you not cough. And I'm like, you who knew? And she I did it so and much. I stopped coughing. She knows yeah. so much. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Shout out to all the wellness yeah. warriors at Full Sail. You guys are just dope out there. Yeah. I sincerely appreciate that whole family. Um, so let's just get into it. Leslie, you do so much. You are a mixer to the stars, and I don't want to mess up. I <clears throat> I am in the uh, podcasting industry, and I just know so much about it. Just kidding. I don't, listeners. I am brand baby new. Um, so first of all, thank you for coming to this newborn of a podcast. Of course. I appreciate you again. Um, so educate our listeners on what you do. What exactly is my purpose in Yes. Life. And um, it's, it's a very important purpose, you guys. <laughs> like, if you don't know, like, oh, oh my God, talk. So Sorry. I am... <laughs> I am a mix engineer, um, first and foremost, and I'm also a producer. And what that means is I'm the person who um, takes the recorded music, the artist will sing or rap or whatever the case may be, instruments. I'm the person that determines what every single sound in any particular recording, whether it's loud enough, soft enough, if somebody's singing and they're off key, I can fix that to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> I can take... Parts of the song out. I can move things around. If the kick drum needs to drop out at this point, I can do that. Those are all things in my wheelhouse of responsibilities. I'm ultimately ultimately responsible for how a song or recording sounds and impacts you when you hear it on the radio or as if you're streaming it or if you're in a movie theater. I work on a lot of stuff for movies as well. Um, so I'm you're the one that makes me cry. You, you're the one that sound. like... Yes. Emotional. You get me in my feelings. I love yes. it. So that's pretty much my job. And like Asada pointed out, I graduated from Full Sail University in 1992. Bow, 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 bow. So I've been, right. And I've been doing this for, <laughs> yeah, for that long. And um, yeah. So. No pressure. No mm -hmm. pressure. He's just the guy that makes <laughs> all of the albums that you love Some and cherish them. and m most of them <laughs> that you love and cherish. Um, he's responsible for that sound. Just a super low-key, low-pressure job. Just like no stress, no right? Stress, yeah. No big deal. Um, so really quickly, run down just like your top five uh, artists. like the, That I've worked with? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, oh! Let's not say top five. Pressure. Let's not say top. Let's just just name just, just name, name five. Just just um, spit them out. I'll, I'll start from recent and work my way back. There we go. Um, let's do it. I've uh, and I've worked with her and him uh, throughout their careers, but I just mixed their uh, joint album. This is the first time they did an album together, Jay Z and Beyonce. Boom. Um, so I work with them a lot, and I mixed a lot on this album. And um, J M B. Just recently, earlier this year, I mixed Cardi B's entire album. Cardi, Cardi! <laughs> Sorry, that, my Boricua came out. <laughs> I love and her. And then um, I work extensively with uh, Pharrell Williams. I mixed all of his stuff. I uh, mixed Happy. I mixed all the stuff that he's worked on probably for the past 10, 15 years. How does the man not age? Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We still trying to figure out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I've um I've been heavily entrenched in the Atlanta community, so I've mixed a ton of the Atlanta artists: TLC, Usher, Outkast. Um, you know, all these artists have been huge parts of my career. Um, I've made a lot of great, wonderful friends along the way. Um, T. Boz in particular and Erica Badu are both really good friends of mine. Both of their kids are my godchildren. Um, oh, God T. Boz is my youngest daughter's godmother. And, uh, yeah, and, and there's been, you know, really cool moments in the 90s, too. Like, I've mixed uh, stuff for Cher and Michael Jackson and Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston, and the list goes on and on. Okay, pause. <laughs> Madonna. I just found out that Cher is coming to Orlando on ja January 21st. Mm. Um, 
real time my re can i can I play this? I'm I'm asking yeah, on, on my on my on own, own show. show. You can do whatever um, you want. This is my real time reaction to me, and I'm gonna put the volume up. Uh, finding out that Cher is coming in town. One one more time for the listeners. I love it. I literally lost. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> So totally lost my shit. Funny, I, funny share story. So when I worked with her, all the share stories. Tell me. <laughs> she said all the share stories. So when share. I worked with her, I mixed um, mixed a lot of stuff on the um, farewell tour album, and she came to Atlanta. And the first day she walked in the studio, um, she had already recorded most of the stuff. She had to finish a little recording, but she didn't feel like recording that day. So she was like, well, let's not even start the mixes. Let's just go hang out. So we went to a baseball game. So we're sitting at the baseball game. Sure, at a baseball game. What is life? And okay. we're like talking. And I said to her, I said, so what made you want to work with me? Like, what was the thing that, how did your people find me? And she was like, you know, I just had to get the person who mixed So Fresh and So Clean, you know, the Outcast song. And so immediately I'm sitting there going, you listen to Outcast? That's awesome. And then, funny enough... Later in now we're in Atlanta at the Brave Stadium, so probably later in the game it comes on on the loud system. They yes. start playing so fresh and so clean, which is pretty normal in an Atlanta stadium. And she starts mouthing the words like she knew, like she yes. knew so fresh and so clean. And I'm sitting there going, "You listen to so fresh and so like it's just like it just blew my mind that she was such a huge Outcast fan. Shares an OG Outcast fan. I love that. Yeah, and she was like, "That's the record that made me." She was like, "She." told her people whoever mixed that record i want them to mix my stuff and i was like wow that's awesome so that was pretty interesting too that makes my heart so yeah. happy yeah i get a lot of work from songs that i mix that do well but sometimes it just throws me off when i ask a person like share what made you want to work with me and she goes so fresh and so clean and i'm like i didn't even know you listened to okay i'm sorry what that's yeah. awesome so we had a good time we hung out all day and then the next day she came in sang her parts and we mixed and it's pretty she's very cool very down to earth <laughs> um, we had a lot of very cool musical conversations. Um, yeah, we just, just she's really cool. I love that really. I live in a world that Cher loves Outcast. Right. That's That God. was the highlight of the whole thing for me. I was just super excited. Cher's like, so awesome. Yeah. And guys, so at the end of the trip, real quick, yeah. at the end of the trip, she had never met um, Andre. And because he and I are really cool, I'm more so cool with Erica, but they have a son together yeah. and he's my godson. Absolutely. So I called him up and I was like, hey man, I want you to meet Cher. She really wants to meet you, da da da. And he came out and surprised her at the studio and she was in heaven. Oh wow, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we had a good time. You surprised Cher. Right. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. I love it. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. So yeah. You do a lot. You're, you, oh my goodness, you do so much. I can't. I can't. How do you? How about we start there? How do I do all of it? Yeah, what is your recipe for wellness? So here's so. the thing. You, you, you actually highlighted the three parts of my life that are my pretty much my world, which is um, I can either, I'm always one of three places at all times. I'm either in a recording studio doing what I love to do, I'm at full sail, or I'm on vacation with my family. And so what I do is I just do all three to the fullest. When I'm here, I'm like going to student meetings and I'm going to, I do lectures while I'm here. I mean, you've seen kind yeah. of like what my life is here, when I'm here on full set. I'm always hanging out with Gary and, you know, these are also my friends and this is my friend network here at Full Sail. And then when I'm on vacation, I'm locked in. I'm phone is off. Yeah. I'm not the dad who I'm on vacation and I'm taking calls and I'm focused. I'm locked in. So for me, it's about quality and focus. So whatever I'm doing, I just give it a hundred percent attention and then when i'm in the studio same thing i'm locked in da, da, da. and it's really just between all those three i love that yeah. i love that work service and family yeah that's, that's what i do that's pretty awesome so um you seem like you got it all handled right now but <laughs> how did you discover this balance and how did what did that look like um if you don't mind sharing did it was there a point where it became imbalanced and then how did you recognize that how let us know because I got I just have two dogs and I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, it so. you know what the balance <laughs> it it's something I've been tweaking over the years. I've just recently got into this zone 
of pure balance in a sense. And I, the balance has always been there between ever since I came to Full Sail, left when I worked in the industry. There's always been a nice relationship between working and giving back at Full Sail. There's yeah. always been that. And then I'm my fam. My kids are only nine and six, so my family came later in my success, which I like it that Good way. You, yeah. And it it made it easier to be able to be an effective parent and husband and still do all the things I'm doing. That part was the hardest part to balance because now you have to consider somebody else's feelings. Yes. My wife was not okay with my schedule. Like she's always been, she's always known my schedule is what my schedule is. But when we had kids, that added a different dynamic. Because you're needed more. Yes. And yeah. so it was more of a, uh, you know, so there was a lot of tension. I, I wouldn't say a whole lot, but there was some tension there with, you know, no marriage is perfect. Um, and we we had our moments where it was just a little rough. And I, I, one of the breakthrough moments was for me when I would always say to my wife, like, look, I got to go to work and I got to, you know, the kid, you want the kids to go to private school. Like my kids go to a Spanish immersion school. It's a private school. It ain't cheap. And so I would always frame things around, well, you know, I got to, this is why I got to work so hard in the studio. Yeah. I got to pay for that, that, that. And I started realizing that wasn't authentic. And what I, recently we had a breakthrough. This was a few months ago where I sat my wife down and I told her, I said, I want to do all the stuff that I'm doing. I want to be this yeah. person. And I want to give all this energy to full sale. And I want to work this much in the studio. And I don't want to have to frame it around this context of what I have to do. Because then it makes her feel like they're a burden. Yeah. So when, when I started reframing my conversation with her, things lightened up a bit. And it's not perfect. She still has the same wants or needs, da, 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 but it's easier when you're living in your authentic self, when you're like, this is what I want to do. Yes. Period. I love that. And I so, love that you were able to get to that point and just be honest. Not, I mean, not honest with your wife, but honest with yourself. Self, because yes. to have that conversation to say, I, I, I like working as much as I do. And I like putting mm -hmm. this amount of energy and seeing this particular result, even though I'm not always, you know, at my, at birthdays and all that others, at least, and, and I'm talking well, in I'm my case, like, no, <laughs> stop. I'm about to say. <laughs> stop, point, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait a minute. Always at the birth. And see, that's the other <laughs> yeah, thing. No. That's, that's where I find the balance because my wife could complain about anything else as far as how much time, da, da, da. And for her, it's quantity sometimes versus quality. I never miss a birthday. I never miss an important thing yeah. at school. There's nothing that my wife could say I ever missed yeah. that was of some type of significant value to the girls or to her. Yeah. Or And so I'm all about quality. I, it's quality versus quantity. Yeah. Now, that actually ties into our conversation about the five love languages. And here's how it Ooh, ties Oh, okay. In. Let's talk. So here's the thing. Why I do read, you hate the five love languages? <laughs> I read the book. Okay. You, okay. I showed up for all of it. Had popcorn the whole nine. I don't hate the five love languages. I actually do. Be, I I do subscribe to the theory that people love. They give love and receive love in different ways. Yes. I feel like, for consumer purposes and for a marketability standpoint, it was probably either necessary or just authentic to the writer to break it down into five. I think there are a million love languages. So that part. I, and it's not a that's not that's not the part I'm wrestling with. The five that are outlined, I think, are done well. Nothing about that part bothers me. I think what a lot of people walk away from the five love languages with is the part that bothers me and the part that I don't align with, which is I don't think that it is incumbent on me to love you the way you want to be loved. I think it's it's about loving how you authentically love. Saying to someone, this is my language, I want you to love me this way, that's not authentic to that person. I authentically love a certain way. And, and for not trying to sound harsh, but I think it's just important for you to identify how people love and decide if you want to be a part of it. Because it's, people don't do what they should do. They always do what they want to do. They yeah. always eventually gravitate back to what's authentic to them. And I, it's funny, I, I read a quote by, um, I always mess up her name, but her last name is Van, Van Zandt, um, uh, and, and Yala Ayanla. 
whatever. Ayana Van Sun. Yeah, there you go. But it's like oh. an L in there somewhere. Like it's, I always mess oh, up her Oh, is it the Ileana Fix My Life? Yes. Well, oh, yes. yes. But I always mess her name up. Ileana, But she actually articulated my thought process on it well, which is it's – she essentially said what I'm saying, which is it's not um, – it's not indicative on somebody to love you the way you want to be loved. It's important for them to love how they love and you figure out if you want to be a part of it. And that's, to me, that's the thing that I think a lot of people walk away from the five love languages going, well, this is my love language and I've identified mine, so I need you. My love language is touch, so I need you to touch me more. You know what I mean? And yes. I don't subscribe to that. Oh, listeners, yeah. I have a huge smile yeah. on my face because I totally dig what you're saying yeah. and I don't well yeah I'm not saying you that, don't and, hate and it here's it's, the thing I'm not saying that I don't like for instance and this is a true story my my wife's love language is touch mine she would say is acts of service mm -hmm. and so what I'm saying is it's more so indicative on you to identify when I'm showing you love yeah but to say I want you to touch me more. That's just my not my natural posture. I'm not the person. I don't walk down the street holding, holding hands, hands. PDA. Or, like when I sleep, I don't want to cuddle. Like I'd be too hot. Like I just want my own. I want my own side. It's of the human. We're in Florida. Yeah, like Get I don't like off. being touched when I'm asleep, and that's just how I am. Like yeah, you sleep way over there, and I sleep way over here, and I love you, but I don't like cuddling and yeah. sleeping like up under somebody all night. And yeah. Not my thing. I, I that's pretty refreshing. I really yeah. appreciate that because you can get stuck in this whole like, well, I know my love language. Let me go out and search for somebody who's willing to accept my love language. But that's not really that doesn't make any. That, you love how yeah. you love. You love people how you love, love and you how can, they authentically love. So you choose. I think to. a lot of people come away with this like trying to then impose on the other person. Well, I've discovered my love language and it's now indicative on you to love me how I want to be loved. Right. No, yeah, it's about understanding somebody's love language and saying, okay, do I want to? Do yeah. I want to participate with this or not? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, so. Oh, I was I was so ready to, to hate on you, Leslie. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I, yeah, so. You won yeah. me over. Okay, <laughs> I like that. So, um, we, we're t we've talked about, um, you know, trying to figure out that balance with, with your marriage and trying to figure out... Um, what time looks like or, or quality time looks like with, with your children. Um, how do you find balancing that time uh, with your personal, like you, Leslie? Like when does Leslie get to take care of Leslie? I always stick little pockets of time in there. And, I, and, and really, take, to me, taking care of yourself is every single choice that you make. So... I think where a lot of people go wrong in life, just on a, speaking in a in a big scope of things, yeah. a lot of people just choose the wrong careers. They don't do things that make them happy. They focus on money and yeah. they focus on thriving in this man-made structural thing. But I, I, I think I'm in a natural posture of taking care of myself because I do what I love. Mm -hmm. So I'm never really stressed out. Work doesn't even compute as work to me because I love what I do. Like yeah. when I'm on vacation, I'm just as much enjoying the vacation. And at the last day of the vacation, I'm just as excited to get back to the studio. Not many people can say they're excited to get back to work when no. they're on vacation. That's indicative of the fact that you probably chose the wrong career. If you're not excited about your life, bum, 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 bum. I'm just Dropping saying. Bombs. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. saying. So you don't have to. I then now don't. I don't have to like intentionally try to take care of myself because all of my choices makes it to where I've taken care of myself. I like. I love what I do. So how did you get here? How did you get to the point where? Or was it, or do you think... It was it, a very conscious decision when I was a kid. Okay, so to let, I want to I wanna talk about that because some people don't make that decision until well into their 30s, 40s, right. 50s when on I their was, deathbed. When I was a kid, I would see adults walking around me and I would hear these things and I would just be like, y'all got to be kidding me. And I think I've always viewed the world just in a different way where I would hear adults always saying how much they hate their jobs yeah. and they can't wait till this one hour every Friday happy hour like and I used to I used to examine that and I used to be like so let me get this straight mm 
Mm-hmm. Y'all named an hour happy hour, as in this is the only happy hour of your week. Something is wrong with that, just mm-hmm. on its face. That is fundamentally dysfunctional. If you go through a whole week and you have one, one hour, hour to celebrate as happy hour, that's dysfunctionally wrong. And so as a kid, I used to, and I didn't know how to put it in that, Absol- give it that yeah. language when I was a kid, but I just knew internally something was wrong with that. If you're looking forward to a Friday or a weekend and you got five other days to deal with, something's just wrong about that. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't want to live my life like that. So I made a conscious decision like I was going to pick something I love to do. I didn't really care about money. It just so happens that what I do, if you do it well enough mm-hmm. and you're focused enough, you can make a lot of money doing what I do. But that wasn't, I, I would, I, honest to God, I would be doing this if I was broke. And there have been times when the money wasn't great and I was still happy to go to the studio. Mm-hmm. I was still happy to do, you know, be doing what I'm doing. I get excited when I get around microphones and equipment and I just love what I do. Yeah. And so that was the goal for me as a kid is I don't want to be walking around saying I don't want to do something or I'm bummed out that I got to go to work today. I didn't want that to be my life. And I was like, so I felt so bad for all the adults in my life when I was a kid. Cause I was like, y'all got to leave miserable lives. Like this is terrible. Like one hour. Yeah. This is when y'all have the fun. So tell me about your support systems. Uh, as far as when I wanted to do what I was doing. Yeah. They, or now. Oh, well. Whatever you're willing to share. Well, back then, my mom was not about this life. She did not think this was a good career choice, and she didn't have a problem letting me know that. And (laughs) I was like, okay, that's cool, but this ain't your life. This is mine. But, you know, I had to be respectful about it. But at the same time, I was like, I was not about that regular college you know, either you're going to be a lawyer, doctor, or architect. You know, one yeah. of those boring careers. This is the road like, that you have to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm not walking around like, yeah, I'm talking about I hate my job and everything else. Like, I love music. So yeah. I figured out that the best way to live was figure out the thing you love the most, do that, and then life would be good. That's, that's pretty kind awesome. Of, kind of turned out that way. Support you're, systems luckily. now, um, my wife, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I just, I am... A very different person when it comes to like the way I think about stuff, the way I approach things. Um, one thing about I want to say this about the family balance thing. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing about the family dynamic is parenting. Parenting forces you to deal with how you were parented. It forces you to unpack a lot of baggage that sometimes you didn't even know was there. Ooh. It adds a dynamic to your marriage that's unbelievable. It's next level. Like. And it breaks a lot of marriages. A lot of marriages end in divorce, and a lot of it isn't because of the kids, but it's because of the parenting dynamic. And that dynamic comes out, and you realize how different you are. Yeah. All this stuff. Um, that's so interesting that you say that, that, af- that a lot of people go through that afterwards, because I feel like I am such a over-preparer in some things that I feel like I am trying to do the work now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my wonderful therapist who said, don't you say my name on your show, and I won't, <laughs> um, they shared with me. Um, that there's only so much work you can do. Girl, yeah. yes. Yeah. I because, was like, girl, yeah, no. <laughs> because yes. that's the thing. You can, you can yeah. prepare till you're blue in the face. Yeah, and that's, that's where I there's am absolutely at the point where I'm like. like yeah, there's mm, nothing like parenting. It's but a, you have to do you it. You actually have to. And here's the thing about doing it. It's not even the action or the responsibility. It's the mirror that this little tiny human right. holds up. Th- that mirror can't exist unless that tiny human is there. Right. That's so when point. you see... Parenting is like you start hearing yourself say things that your parents said to you. Yeah. Or when you see a perspective of... I am responsible for your safety and your life and your thoughts and how you view the world and certain conversations I can't have anymore. Yeah. Or I have to, I have to find the hardest balance of a parent is how do you deliver truth but keep it age appropriate. That is the hardest thing to do. So how does Leslie do that? How does um, how does Leslie navigate those waters? My rule of thumb is if they can ask the question, they can receive the answer. I just have to keep it age appropriate, and I'll give an example. Went to pick Zoe up, my nine-year-old. At the time, she was seven. She was just about to turn eight, I believe. And she, I went to pick her up one day. She got in the car and she asked me. She said, Daddy, can two women be married? 
And I was like, I slumped down in the seat and I texted my wife and I was like, How I don't know what to say to this. Tell me what to say. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but my approach is if she can ask the question, she also has the capacity to hear the answer. Yeah. I just have to keep it age appropriate. So, first thing out of my mouth, yes. Because she's already saw that one of her friends has two moms. In yeah. School. So now I can't approach this from a standpoint of breaking her trust. I have yeah. to be honest. Yes, two women can be married. Right. Because she's not really asking, can they? She's asking, how? She like, how is this working? That's the magical That's part. She's right there, what you said is the magical part of parenting is you have to understand how to decipher what they're really asking you because they don't have all the language to support their thoughts yet. So you hmm. have to know, hmm, what she's really asking me is. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Hmm. So it's, it's, and again, it's, it's one of those things where you just can't prepare or understand that experience because that human has to be there. They have to be able to hold up that little mirror. Right. Because that's essentially what they're doing. Every time they ask you a question, they're essentially asking you to express how you feel. Right. And to pass on this thought process and this thing and tell me how to, to feel about this figure some things out about you know all this stuff and it it, it perfect example is in a, no, a whole nother way sitting at the table one time and doris and i disagreed about something and then she goes well we should talk about this you know after dinner and i was like no we can talk about it now because what i was trying to explain to her and i explained to her afterwards is it's important for our daughters to see what a healthy disagreement looks yeah. like the problem with our parents is love them to death, but they didn't give us the tools. I yes, never saw preach. my parents argue. And while that sounds like a good thing, it's not. Because mm -hmm. I never got the tools to understand how do we resolve a dispute when we don't agree. Yeah. So then I, if I don't get the tools from them, if I see on TV that couples fight and argue and yell at each other, that may be what I process as how you do that. Right. That's incorrect information or bad information. Yeah. Whereas it's okay to show a nine-year-old, six-year-old that two adults can disagree. Mm -hmm. We still love each other. And I ain't got to agree with your mama. Right. Right, right, right. I and actually that's okay. think your mama kind of crazy right now. <laughs> and that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm actually learning that myself. I my I was raised by a single mother. And um, there wasn't any... Um, any, um, she never argued with anybody. Mm -hmm. And then when she did argue with somebody, it was siblings. Mm -hmm. And, um, my sister was very violent. So like I grew up in a, in a, in a somewhat violent home. And, um, so I have a fear of confrontation, mm -hmm. especially when it's how I feel about certain things. Right? right. I can, you know, I am very expressive in other forms, but it takes me a while to say, but you said hurt my feelings and yes. this is why. And that's because healthy. Yeah, and well, I learned when you say that it's you're greeted with not so fantastic responses back and all that stuff, and it's taken me a while, even in my marriage, even in my marriage, and then I mean you can attest to that. Like if you hold on to feelings, then they just sit there and rot, and the next thing you know, he's asked like my they're asking the like, can you turn down the air? And then all of a sudden you're fighting about some random shit. It's crazy. My wife is the queen of that. Like right. she does not know how to address. It's it's hard for yeah. us. Well, and then also. I'm I'm doing the work because also I'm I've been taught by society too that as a black woman to disagree is to be the angry black woman. Mm -hmm. And so there is that I I always want to be agreeable and, and da 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 and even when I don't agree with something I'm always like mm, what? oh I'm not you know what I'm going to keep it I'm going to keep it to myself. And that's one of the main messages that I try to teach my daughters which is you can disagree with anybody. Perfect. You ain't always got to be upset about why you disagree. It right. ain't got to be always a thing where you got to be angry about it. Right. So, and I feel like as, but as a society, though, for women, mm -hmm. even when we're passionate about something, yeah. it's oh, she's angry. It's like, well, no, Serena Williams for this weekend, for right. example, you know, at the U.S. Open, she was not yelling. She didn't curse, but. Still, for some reason, uh, there was she threw a temper tantrum. She lost it, and it's like this this um, this conversation about women, black women, being vocal, being angry, standing up for themselves, and it's just and it's and the men act worse in that sport, and some of the men have actually acknowledged it. Yes, and when I was a kid, and I used to watch John McEnroe go off on reps, and he kicked someone. Yeah, he has kicked somebody. Yeah, so 
Yeah. Any, in any case, so but it's important these are things to, that I'm learning myself. Yes. That I can, you know what, that was then, this is now. I'm in a totally different relationship. Mm-hmm. My husband is not my siblings and my family. And it's totally different. So, And it pisses my wife hard. off to no end when I can disagree with her and still be in a good mood. Because she thinks yes. both things are synonymous. She thinks that I have to be in a bad mood and disagree with her. Yeah. I can actually disagree with you and just... It doesn't really bother me the way it yeah. bothers you. And that pisses her off. It's, and it's I think it's just, hard. again, what happens in a marriage is we are holding up mirrors. Yeah. So all I'm doing is whatever's pissing you off about me is showing you what you're insecure about and what you actually wish you had X, Y, and Z. And when you get to that language, we, we've had some productive conversations. Yeah. Well, she'll say, you know what? I wasn't really mad at you. I was mad at myself. And I really wish I could be like you in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Now we talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marriage, any relationship, yeah, I felt. Yeah. Tough. Hardest thing I ever had to do. Never. I've, my whole life has, and I'm not trying to make it seem as if I had a cakewalk. I'm saying nothing has been difficult for me in a sense of like, from kindergarten to 12th grade, I've only ever had one C. I uh, didn't really study a lot. It, school was just very easy to me. Even in times when I've had to work hard for my career, the mentality of working hard is easy to me, which yeah. is you got to lock down and work hard. It just, it's not rocket science. But marriage, I'm telling you, when I die, the first thing I'm going to ask God is why y'all ain't coming to instruction manual. Like, like, so you're just going to let us do this and not tell us how? I need an instruction manual. <laughs> I just need to know. Because, you know, it's just, it's such a hard thing to communicate with another human being yeah. who thinks nothing like you. Yeah. Everything is rooted in emotion and everything on my side is rooted on in logic. And my wife has zero, and she'll tell you, I'm not insulting her or talking about her back. She will tell you, she has zero logic in most of her thought processes. It's all emotion. Just all heart. Oh, my God. But that's what you love about her. That's why you married her. I don't love that part of her. You know? (laughs) I don't love that part. Here I am trying to, like, save it and trying to pick it up, and you're like, nah, nah. I need some logic. I need hmm. just a little bit of reason. Well, you're and, logic enough for the both of you, and yeah. she's the hard enough for the both of you, it turns out. Jeez. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I want to talk to you about how you talk to your daughters a mm-hmm. little bit more. So it's crazy out here. Mm-hmm. So how do you, t- how do you, or do you even, mm-hmm. like, it, it, um, talk to them about what's happening in our society, what's happening in the world. I mean, particularly around violence. I mean, you are a black man. I don't know if you know this, but you're a black man. It's crazy Word. out here. It is crazy Word. out here. So how do you it, talk to your daughters about this? Or do you? I do. Does um, your wife? I talk to them about practical things. We we talk, ever since they could understand, we've always talked to them about sexual abuse. We've always talked to them about what to do if somebody touches you. We learn. We've taken classes. My wife is actually on the um, advocacy child advocacy board in Georgia. Yeah. And so we went to a class. One of the most informative things I've learned is how to talk to them, which is you don't tell them that somebody touching them on their vagina is a bad thing. You tell them if somebody does that, you talk to us because if you ingrain in their mind that that's a bad thing, they will then feel bad about telling you because they'll feel like they let you down. Hmm. So the the thought process is don't feel bad about it. Just make sure you come tell daddy or mommy. And setting boundaries. Daddy doesn't even wash you down there. Only mommy can touch your vagina. Mommy's the only person qualified other than yourself to touch your vagina. And right. you talk to them. They know what a vagina is. They know what a penis right. is. They You just talk to them like they're adults. And what, one thing you learn about kids is they are way smarter then we give them credit for. And a lot of times it's easy to forget that because, like I said, they don't have the language to frame their thoughts. They have the thoughts. They just don't have the language to express what those thoughts are. They have the thoughts. They know what the thoughts are. And I remember in my own life, when I remember when when my dad first started cheating on my mom and I was like in kindergarten and my dad would pull up with some chick in the front seat of the car and I'd, I'd open the front door and be like... Just waiting for her to get out. Like, don't nobody sit in the front but my mama. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. But I knew what was going on. Yeah. And they acted like I didn't. And I right. cl- I had a very clear sense of what was happening. I just didn't know all the terminologies. And right. Like, you sleeping with or you having sex with or da da da. But I knew what was happening. Right. It was clear. I love that you empower your daughters, though, to like to, to be able to speak with you and yeah. to let them know that they aren't bad. You're not shaming it's them. Not it's bad. not bad. Just... Tell me. Do you talk to them about race? They are mixed, right? Yeah. Biracial? No, no. Uh-uh. No? Well, 
No, I thought your wife was Puerto Rican. No, she's half mm-hmm. Cuban, half black grandparent oh. structure. So, so you, yes. Your baby's but, black. Yeah. Then baby's black. <laughs> but no, we talk about race. We talk about... It's funny. Our conversation used to be like Zoe used to say, well, brown people and light people. But now she says black and white. You know? Mm-hmm. But um, we talk about that all the time. We yeah. talk about what... Um, not judging people because they're different. Right. Um, that conversation came up in the um, two moms conversation where I was saying some people make different decisions. The traditional thing is for men and women to make kids and the way we our body parts work. And I, I went very lightly into that. And I was like, but people make different decisions. We don't judge them for their decisions. We don't think that they're less than. Uh, we talked about Donald Trump. We talked about all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All of it. And, Bleep you know. that, Quan. I'm kidding. We don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. No, we don't, I'm just we don't kidding. say his name. I'm just kidding. I actually, just and kidding. you know what? It's I, like Voldemort. You just have to say it and I not give it power. I won't say power. his name, but I will tell you that I have a very slightly different view of him than most people in the sense of I think that he was necessary. He was a necessary evil for this country to make some progress. And it doesn't feel like progress now, but... We could not continue the culture of acting like there aren't people walking around with racist um, things in their hearts. Yep. And what happens is if, oh, if Hillary gets elected and then we're like, oh, the first woman, that's so cute. It's very, it's, it's pacifying us. Yeah, but that's not getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. And to get to the root of the problem, you have to see the problem for what it is. Yep. So I think that he was very necessary yep. in our nation's history. And I think he's a lot smarter than most people give him credit for because he's manipulative Mm, and he understands what the power of social media is and what the power of polarizing is. He he gets it. He knows. Yes, he's smart in that way. He is very, I'm always very. Amazed at how much he can manipulate, and sure. he knows he knows how to play, he knows the game. Got to be smart enough and to he manipulate. knows how to play the rules. Yes, yeah. and exactly. And is, so, yeah, yeah. It's so, very interesting. But we, we feel I'm sure we're very much aligned on the fact that I'm not acknowledging him as anything I'm aligned with in that sense. But it's it's almost one of those things where it's like it's a pill that we had to swallow at some point, and if it had to come in that shape and form to really expose to a because i'm gonna tell you there's a lot of white people walking around in this country who didn't even know or they they weren't really privy to the fact that it was such a systemic issue yes yeah they they would and 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 not to their fault i know that there are some people who they just didn't have the life that made them even want to care about such a systemic issue. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was so, a topic of a therapy conversation yeah. that I've had because I have been angry about that because I am sitting here in my own... But you got to empathize. But, but this is a life... Right, because I'm empathize. in my life, my own bubble. I am Latina, Boricua, you know, black woman. And, and here I am and I know my experiences. I know my life. And how dare you not know my they life over there? Yeah. How dare you with your own... Ex- oh, wait a minute. You live your own life. Oh, okay. Wait a yeah. minute. I need to go talk to my therapist no, about this. That would be no different than it doesn't make sense. You knowing what the everyday struggles of a cockroach is. Good lord, yes. And you know what? I uh, some someone put that in perspective to me. A friend of mine who is, um, oh, I don't want to mess this up. He is a feminine. Uh, he's he's gay. He's a feminine man. Oh, I'm messing it up. I'm sorry, Twitter. Don't yeah, I was about co- to say you don't blew it don't already. come for me, guys. Don't yeah. come for me. Okay, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you about my friend. Okay, so basically the thing is, he's he's gay, yeah. and he was telling me how he is dating a person who likes to be the masculine one, the mm-hmm. person on top, and he thought he. It was apparently there's this whole like issue between tops and bottoms, and mm. there is this big. It's it's an actual like. People aren't friends with each other. They are rude to each other. It is like prejudice against just a, a sexual preference of this. But you guys are in my head. I'm like, but, but all of you are gay. Why are you? Why are you hating right. on each other? You are all gay. You love each other. Let's just love it. Who the fuck cares? Who's on top of the Who cares? But that's a thing. But how dare I not, with my privilege and my heterosexuality, how dare I not know their stuff? And so when somebody put that in that perspective, I was like, oh damn. Yeah. But I still had this like you know I still have this anger and so I had to take good. my no but what what the important thing to do is but it's perspective what, yeah. yeah and where I wish a lot of people would get to this place is 
you don't it doesn't have to manifest in the form of anger doesn't feel good but it doesn't have to be anger. i'm working on it Leslie. You see what I'm <laughs> because when you empathize like for instance you can relate to this when i know whether it's black or white i know way too many people who did not know that puerto ricans are american citizens they didn't know that until the hurricane thing came up and it became a thing yes but here's the thing when you really put it in the context, take yourself out of yourself and empathize with them. Okay. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Let me ask you something. This is going to help you. Do you know the difference between a Sunni and a Shiite? I know that they are different types of Muslims, mm -hmm. but I do not know the difference. Yes, here, yeah. That's my point. Yep. Mm -hmm. And if You're a right. Sunni with the same posture that you have about Puerto Rico yeah. were to confront you and say, how dare you not know? Of course. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because And, and it's all the constructs around that, which is you don't really need to know that. There's nothing about that that affects your life. So when you think about it, even though it sounds and it feels offensive, to an old white couple who grew up in Winter Park, yeah. who had money left to them from their parents, and they live in a $5 million home, and their life consists of eating at Prado and all these other restaurants at Winter Park, why would they need to know that Puerto Ricans are American? Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough, yeah. That perspective. But why would they need to know that? Yeah. So how do you, uh, how do you, Leslie... Put that in, reconcile with that? Yeah, how do you reconcile with that? Do Gotta you... remove your ego. And this, this conversation that we're about to have right now applies to everything we just talked about. Yeah. Marriage, um, parenting, um, social structures, uh, politics, all of it revolves around this thing that we all have called the ego. ego and i think one of the most liberating things i've ever done in my life or tried to be very conscious of in my life is when i'm always trying to get my ego out of something yeah. ego is everything the only reason you feel some kind of way that people don't know puerto ricans are americans is because of your ego that is the only reason there is no other reason yeah ego ruins everything the only reason that my my wife gets mad at me is because of her ego. The only reason you get mad at her is because your ego. Yeah. So it's all ego. Do you? Did you? Um, have you? Have do you go to therapy? How do you get to this point? Or is this just all self work? Yeah. Like you're your own therapist. You're doing this on your own. I love that. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Do you know you're a yogi? You're very yogic minded. Really? Yes. Hmm. Everything that you're saying you're is, not the first person is told me very that. <laughs> like very yoga minded, and I think um, hmm. um, I'm gonna I'm, I'll send you a couple of book recommendations just because you know you're not busy, and I'm sure you'll read them. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, read, <laughs> I, read, I, I listen to audiobooks when I read the book I'm reading right oh, okay. now or listening to. Can I curse? I heard you curse. Oh, I can curse. Yeah. Okay. So the book I'm reading right now is called <laughs> um, The sex. Subtle <laughs> Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. That's a great book. Is that Jen Sincero? No, that's uh, Mark Manson. Oh, nice. Okay. Great, great book. Well, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. One of the best books I've ever read, actually. That's perfect. Well, that takes care of my recommendations corner. Oh. Check out this book, The yeah. Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Also, The Four Agreements. Four Agreements. Yes. Okay. Have you never read The Four Agreements? I never have. Oh, I... It will change your life. Okay. Um, damn. Who wrote The Four Agreements? I don't know. But it's it's a very it's a pretty popular book. The Four, the four agreements. agreements. Let's see. Yep, I was Googling you. <laughs> the Four Agreements is a good book. Very. Those are the two best books I've ever read. If I had to put them up on a pedestal. Yep, that one in the middle. Whoa. So Don one, no, Miguel one. Ruiz? That one. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. 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 That. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom by Don Miguel Ruiz. Nice. Yeah. And it's basically right. talking about um, how to rethink and reshape your mind around certain things and not taking things personal is heart. one of the agreements that you make with yourself. There's four agreements that, four essential agreements 
to lead you to that path and one of them is not taking things personal huh. and that it aligns with our conversation where you 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 being mad about somebody not knowing that Puerto Ricans are Americans yeah. you took it personal yeah so okay how do you how do you reconcile with with well, ego. It's all ego. I love that. Don't take it personal. That is fantastic. It's all good. It's all good. And it's not everybody love. means, just because somebody can have a stance that can be offensive, not everybody means to offend you. Right. You see what I'm saying? Just like I just pointed out, that old white couple that's sure to be walking around Winter Park that probably never had to work a day in their life for money, they might not ex- understand a lot about the black experience, but it doesn't mean that they're racist. Right. It just means that they just don't get it. Right, and their ignorance is, isn't anything. Yeah. That is something that I've had to, over the last couple of years, I've had to kind of come to terms with. And it's one of the things that I have been so incredibly grateful for for my marriage. Mm. For li- the listeners that don't know, my husband is white, and our race was not a factor mm. at all. We never even had a discussion about race as like, oh, this is what Hispanics and black people do. This is what white people do. And we never had that conversation. It was just like, oh, you're Puerto Rican, and this is what your family is, and that's crazy. And it's like, oh, you're white. Your family's so quiet. I love yeah, it here. It's all about- like, it's really nice. But it wasn't anything. We didn't have, like, conversations about racial justice or social issues until much later. Yeah. And this is, what, 13 years down the line. And um, I think one time I had a I, – I was very upset. Sorry, honey. I know you're listening. Um, but I was really upset at him and I actually had to talk about this with my therapist and she was saying almost the same thing because he he we were talking about um, skiing and there is an indoor indoor skiing place mm-hmm. in Winter Park mm-hmm. that opened there. up yeah and I was like of course it's going to open up in Winter Park mm-hmm. just because it's funny I guess I thought it was funny but he was like I don't get it why why would it why are you saying that of course it's in Winter Park like why are you judging Winter Park like that and I was like oh because you know white people money Right. Only white people ski. Like, that's a thing. And he's like, that's, that's not a thing, Asada. Don't say that. And he was, like, kind of upset with me that I was making this. And I was like, baby, no. I I can tell you for a fact. There is a handful at most. Of, I'm, I'm one of them. And one, my brother is another. <laughs> literally, the only two yeah. black men that I know that have skied before. Yeah. And it's, it was just very interesting. We're having this conversation. And, um... And I was like, well, why do, why do you think that they opened it up in Winter Park and not, like, Kissimmee? You're, you're, you're catering to a certain audience and all this stuff. And um, um, so, any, in any case, um, we were just having that conversation. It, I was very frustrated that he did not understand that. Mm. And then I, his black wife, had to explain that to him. I was like, why don't you already and know here's, this? here's the other part of but, that. Here's the, here's the part that you probably didn't unlock in that conversation, which is, that's your reality. But, that ain't exactly. His. Exactly. And he doesn't have to accept it as a truth yes. just because it's your truth. Exactly. That's your truth. And that that's what his. he was trying to explain yes. to me. Like his his he graduated in a high school that is predominantly black. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he has been to school with more black people than I have. Mm-hmm. And it's just really funny that there are just certain things that he that's knows more about that. Yeah. It's just very when, interesting. When you learn I had to, to have that moment. The world through other people's eyes, it's 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 a and I think again I think kids do this for you. A perfect example. So I was here and I flew Doris and the girls in for Mother's Day and we were at a friend's. We were at Matt's house and Gary and Isis came over. Yeah. And they had a female pilot and Doris kept getting the girl. She wanted the girls to tell Isis. She was like, "Tell Miss Isis what was what was special about the pilot," and the girls were like. They were confused. And I tapped Doris and I was like, babe, they're not going to get it. That's your reality, but that's not theirs. In their world, it's not a big deal anymore. She was like, what do you mean? And my wife got upset because she was like, no, that's something they should honor as a big deal. I'm like, no, that's something you need to honor as a big deal. Because your reality is revolved around the fact that you've only seen, seen male pilots. That's not their reality. Dope. They've seen it a million times now. Yeah. They've seen female pilots. Not the same for them. And they couldn't figure it out. And then even when she said it, Zoe was like, I don't get it. Why is that special, Mom? She's a girl. She's so like, what? yeah, we can do anything. That's awesome. Yeah. But, but again, my wife was only trying to communicate. She was trying to get them to communicate their feelings about her reality. Right. And that, that wouldn't work. 
they have their own feelings about their reality. Yeah. It's okay to see a woman pilot. I don't even see what's special about that. And I told her, I said, that would be no different if you try to get ISIS to acknowledge that your Uber driver was black. That, that's what that sounds like. If, if, if you were to say, hey, yeah. uh, girls, tell Miss ISIS about the Uber driver. And the thing you were trying to get them to acknowledge was the fact that he was black. She would look at you like you were crazy. I mean, who, who cares? Because yeah. that's something that's past our realm of being abnormal. True. And it's the same thing for them. It, it, you know, it's a different world. I love that. <laughs> that is so good. I, I feel like I'm walking away with so many nuggets in life. Like, I, can, I, could, I could, like, cancel my therapy session next week and, like, I'm good. I, I and then the funny life. thing about all of it is my wife is a marriage and family therapist. That's what she does for a living. Get out so of town. Some of the most frustrating conversations happen in my house because I'm looking at her like, you're a therapist. You're supposed to know this shit. Like, yeah, but. That's interesting. Yeah. That is pretty dope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and, and sharing your knowledge and your life with me. Um, I like to ask what you think it's all about. What do you think this is all about, life? What do you, life? Think, it's, what do you think it's all about? Um, One I don't last know. nugget. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm, interestingly enough, I don't do a whole lot of analytical... Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I do know that we are all creative beings and we are here to create. Not everybody is in touch with that side of themselves, but I just feel like, you know, I don't know. In don't some know. form, we're all yeah, here to, to yeah. create. And it's not just creative in like music or art or da, da, da. It's creative just in general, just expressing yourself. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that you're doing. But um, I don't know. I like that. I don't know. I, I, I'm one of those people who feel like there's like mad planets out there with mad aliens. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Our stories and our purpose is so insignificant. And We're like, so tiny. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, yeah. aliens out there that can do like amazing shit. I, I just, love that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I have a very dear friend. She was a guest on the show and she basically said this same thing you know she believes that there we're, we're it's such a big scope of things and we are just you know we're so small but we have the privilege to have consciousness for this one moment mm-hmm. and and I, I love that idea that everything is even though things are just so big we can still be appreciative of the consciousness that we have and make this life as creative as possible. Yeah. I like that. I just I just want an That's instruction cool. manual from God. Can't on, like you. On, send, on marriage. Send me an instruction, bro. <laughs> and then another one on women. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. And, well, that's the show. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you, Leslie. I am your host, Asada Jones. Where can people find you, Leslie, if you want to be found? Twitter, Instagram? Um, on Full Sales Campus. No. There you um, go, yeah, Full Sales uh, Campus. On Instagram, I am Lester Bud. On Twitter, I think I'm Lester Bud. I'm hardly on Twitter. But on Instagram, I'm Lester Bud. And then you can find me, Leslie Brathwaite, on Facebook. If, you know, that's still a thing. Yes, Facebook and is definitely still a I'm thing. I'm Lester Bud on Snapchat as well, but I'm never on there. I'm usually on Instagram. I like Instagram. All right, hit him up on the gram. Thank you for listening, Wellness Warriors. Again, please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening on, and follow me on socials, What Makes Me Well, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time for another dose, be brave, be light, be well. <laughs>